0: on this week's episode of Unwritten.
1: In time,
0: Roy Holiday has thrown a no-hitter! And for the first time since 1954, the Giants are world champions. Not in time, of the Brewers advance to the
1: National League Championship Series! Hello and welcome to Unwritten from Odyssey and Major League Baseball. My name is Ron Darling, with me is Jimmy Rollins. Hey, Jimmy, we've reached the best time of the year for a lot of baseball fans. The postseason is about to start, and that means every game gets a little more intense. What a team! What a ride! The Cardinals are world champs! Coming around, and the Oakland A's will live another day!
0: Game five is tomorrow!
1: Some of the unwritten rules we've been talking about all year get thrown out the window when you're playing for a trip to the World Series, and some new rules come into play. We're going to get into all that today. But first, Jimmy, set the stage for us. When you've played all year, trying to reach the playoffs, and now that first game is finally about to start, what does that feel like in the clubhouse before the game?
0: It's, it's an energy you only get during the playoffs. Um, you know you win and go on, or you lose and go home. There's no... Well, we can make up for it tomorrow. No, you're down one game, or you're up one game. So, at, at, as you're getting ready to go to go into it, it's it's a different type of game readiness, ty- different type of battle readiness, and your sharpness, you know, goes up. You're aware of, of things. Um, it's almost like you become more sensitive to sound. Um, you become more sensitive to smell. The way the ballpark smells. you know, everything's just heightened. Mm. So, when you go out on the field. And you're coming from the clubhouse and and you're walking out to the field and you hear the crowd, you feel that energy, it's like you light up. And it's, you know, if you're a big-time player and and, and you're a red-light player, as as they call them, we're going to find out what you're made of.
1: You know, I was thinking that the first playoff game I was in was against the Houston Astros. And I remember before the game, Ray Knight was our third baseman. Ray's this big barrel-chested dude, right? Mm -hmm. And he came over— and he started hugging people and he gave me a hug and you know, as well as I know, it's, it might not be love, love, but there's love that happens on a team. Um, when you're going to the postseason. season, you know, you have each other's back all year long, you've been picking each other up. So there, there's, there's an, a really emotional feeling you have towards each other. Um, there's not another word for it. So I use love cause that's how you, mm-hmm. you feel about each other. And when he started that hugging, in the clubhouse and then everyone was starting to hug each other i was like one of the most emotional things i'd ever been through in my life it was kind of like a a meditation meets yoga meets something else like i I felt (laughs) that it was so spiritual that it was almost like hey i got you you know you got me i got you and uh i'll never forget that as long as i live
0: yeah and that's a beautiful feeling because that that does happen um it's like a family and there are sometimes you may have been beefing with a guy. Or you just don't like this person. <laughs> that's right. But in the playoffs, all of that goes away. It's like it doesn't even matter anymore because we're here to do one thing, and that's to try to win 11 games. Well, then 11 games. Yeah. Um, slightly more now if you're a wild card. <laughs> uh, but win 11 games and hoist that trophy up at the end of the season.
1: You know, I was thinking about, um, since we do all about the unwritten rules, Um when you're when you're in the dugout and the game is about to start, the the thing for everyday players is that you've been grinding all season long, right? You're trying mm-hmm. to find a find a space, a place where you can be your best version of yourself over the course of six months. It's a really hard thing to do. I admire everyday players because I don't know, honestly, I don't know how they do it. I really don't. <laughs> I think you go to you go to a place that no other athlete has to go to um, because you. They have to be intense, but laid back. You have to be on the ball, but protecting yourself. You've got to go all out, but make sure you don't get injured. It's the Mm -hmm. weirdest dichotomy um, that everyday players go through. But when you get to the postseason, all that kind of goes out the window because now it's the hardest you ever ran to first. Every ball that's hit in the outfield, you're looking for two. Every ball that's to your left or right, you're diving for, you might not dive for him on June 26th uh, when you got a, a tight hamstring or something, right? So right. Um, it changes, right?
0: It definitely does. And that's when I was you know, speaking to like just, just your awareness of things. And, and like you said, it's the playoffs. This ground ball to third, if I beat it out or he pulls him off the bag and I'm close enough where you know, it's a bang, bang call and, and call goes my way, that could change the whole dynamic of that and That could change the whole dynamic of that series. All those things that whether it's true or not, you feel can make a difference. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but that's what the playoffs brings is every opportunity means we're one game closer or one run closer to go into the next phase. And that is, you know, from the divisional series to the championship series, to the world series to eventual champions. So yes. Um, Everything matters more. You're willing to do more that injury that you would avoid going into the wall or possibly (laughs) crash into an outfielder to make sure this ball doesn't drop during the season. uh, You know what? I'm catching it until you run me over. (laughs) This ball is not going to drop. That wall doesn't exist. We need this out. So you put your body and yourself more at risk. But, you know, the flip side of that is, which is funny, is that you're willing to do those things. But if you do it and you're hurt, you're out. If you're a key player, you're you don't they don't have you for that game, maybe not that series. So how do you walk that fine line? Uh you still have to use your brain, to be smart about it. But depending on where the game is, uh what in it is, how important this play is, you're willing to say, I don't care what the result is, if I'm injured. And we go on and somebody else replaces me. I did my job to help us get to the next stage.
1: You know, I was thinking that, uh, you know, you're battling the emotions of, you know, in football, you can go hit somebody. You know, in right. basketball, you can dunk on somebody, do do something. In baseball, it's a different kind of sport. You are a, as a caged an animal as any other sport, but mm-hmm. it's a refined. You, you just, you know, you can't let it out. But... In the playoffs, when things happen and guys let it out, like, I am so into that. I remember when Batista. do you remember the bat flip in oh, Toronto? Oh, I
0: was there. Uh, oh, in, beautiful. In, in
1: Beats Texas, right? Beautiful. field. it. And I was raised by everyone that told you, no bat flips, don't show anybody up. All that garbage, unwritten rules that you hear as a kid. And I remember when he did that, I said to myself, damn, that is what it's all about. Bautista admiring the blast. Admired the blast the whole time. But also, this has just been a crazy half inning. Emotions are at the all-time high. I mean, what he did right there is what every professional athlete, if they were in that place, would have done because they had to do it. It's an out-of-body kind of experience.
0: And it's something that as baseball players, as position players, most pitchers are position players before they're, you know, they single file (laughs) themselves to the the, the mound.
1: Or someone single files
0: them to the mound. (laughs) 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 That curveball, that's what happens. (laughs) Right, right. Um, But how many times did we imagine this as a kid? Did we plan strikeout um, just with ourselves throwing a ball up in the air and making that perfect contact, game on the line, 3-2 pitch, bottom of the ninth, whatever the situation is, and you're the hero. And how many times do you fail? I'm like, you know what? Okay, well, that's a foul tip. And you give yourself a chance over and over and over again to get it right. So you can see what that feels like, to imagine what that feels like. It happened at the highest level, at the highest stakes at that time. I would have done the same thing. I mean, I... I may have walked to first base. I may have did a stutter step and a 360, you know, stepping (laughs) on third base back coming home because that meant that much. Everybody in the ballpark, everyone watching the game, knew he was up there to do one thing and one thing only. It wasn't a walk. It wasn't a single. It wasn't a line drive (laughs) off the wall. It was like, oh, we just missed it. No, it was to hit a home run. And he did it. You raised your team, this organization, and then – and in Canada, it's like you put the oh, country oh, on right. your back. It had nothing to do with you know what he may have saw as disrespect. It was celebrating this moment, this incredible moment that he's probably dreamed about his entire career, and it happened in real life.
1: Yeah, in a hockey he, town, he made it a baseball town in, in one night. What's, what's your—when you're asked uh, about your World Series— when you're asked, what, what is your greatest memory of it? What do you say to folks?
0: Uh, the greatest memory of it, and it's funny, I think it's not even the game. The, the, the game, you know, we, we although, you know, World Series are different, it's, at the end of the day, it's a baseball game. <laughs> you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it's a baseball game. It's uh, the elation of we accomplished this afterwards. Not me, not you, not him not you know yeah. the woman working the tickets. <laughs> all of us had something to do with this. We yeah. all did this. It isn't just the guys on the field that won. It isn't just the people in the front office that contributed contributed. It was grandparents, uh, grandkids, <laughs> parents, you know, your peers that haven't seen a parade, that haven't been a part of this haven't experienced winning and only have to hear about it, you know from the elders. Yeah. Now this is our gift. And our uh, reward for sticking out through the season. Honestly, what a year! What a year! Two thousand and eight. It's been 28 years since the uh, Phillies brought home a championship. And uh, you know we felt the heat. You know we came to the ballpark some days, and you gave us the business. No, it takes more than one player to bring home a championship, and this is what we got here. Thank you. Also, you know the naysayers who said that it couldn't be done. It's like you get to stick it to them now, and it's like, what do you have to say now? You know, what do you have to say? Every we've proved you guys wrong. We've lifted up the city, and like that's forever. You can't take that away from us. And this is our legacy. We brought this to the city this is a parade that they could talk about to their kids. Hopefully, you know, their kids will have one also. But until that happens, they can tell them about that, you know, float coming down Broad Street and just how crazy it was.
1: You know, I feel the same way. I had a a couple of players five, six, seven years ago uh, say to me, you know, we're so sick of hearing about the 86 team. I said, well, (laughs) go win one. Then you can have your own moment. I said, I'm happy to step aside. You know, it's not my fault. It's the last one. You know, it's kind of your guys' fault, not my fault. Well, it meant a lot because I got to pitch in front of all my friends I grew up with in high school and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, luckily, I only let one of the balls go off the wall tonight, but uh, it was just a great thrill for me. I have two good memories from uh, the '86 World Series, and the first one I didn't know about till 14 years later. So they have wow. a they have a book that comes out for the uh, Subway Series between the Mets and the Yankees in 2000, and mm-hmm. the book comes out with all these famous people and why they're a Yankee fan, why they're a Met fan, this and that or whatever. So Ray Romano, um, you know the comedian, he has his show. Everybody loves Raymond. Mm-hmm. And he's quoted in the book. He says, well, I'm a Yankee fan, but I haven't met experience. He said, in 1986, I was delivering futons, and Ron Darling needed a futon because his parents were going to stay in his apartment with him. And he ordered a futon. I brought it over to his house. He gave me 50 bucks, which is the biggest tip I ever got in my life. And I put the futon in for his parents, and I said, Ball players are great. Because of the tip I gave him, and I'm so happy I gave him a big tip. Can you imagine if I gave a, a little tip? I'd be known as a cheapskate forever.
0: You, you, you'd have been on episode. Oh, I would
1: have been on the episode. And then, uh, and then my second one is is, um, is is more personal. And I think I'm I'm with you. It's it's more. Um, the game is the game, and the game belongs to me, my teammates. And It doesn't really belong to anyone else because no one else can play it. You know, we can play it; they can't. But all the personal stuff is pretty cool. So game four, Mets lose the first two games. They win game three. We have to win game four. I'm starting in Fenway Park. I'm from Massachusetts. Grew up a Red Sox fan. Mm -hmm. First time I've ever been in the ballpark. We just didn't have enough dough to go to a ball game when I was a kid. So. Um, It's my first time in the ballpark. I'm seeing the monster, which wasn't – it's not that great for a pitcher to walk into Fenway Park and look at the (laughs) monster. Like, damn, that thing is close. That's it? And so, anyways, um, I'm warming up before the game, and I'm having one of those warm-ups, which is a a nightmare for a pitcher. Nothing's really working. But I'm old enough – you know, I have, what, two and a half years' experience that I know a warm-up is a warm-up. You know, you're not going to – You know, uh, if you run your sprints in the outfield and you don't feel fast that day, you're not going to let it affect whether you're going to steal a base in the game, right? So a warm-up is a warm-up. And I remember cutting it short and telling Mel Stottlemyre, our pitching coach, I said, let's just get in the clubhouse, get something to eat or something small to nibble on, and then I'll figure it out once I get to the mound. The mound's going to be different anyway. I I mistime it, and the national anthem's about to go. So now I'm stuck in right field with Mel Stottlemyre with the fans as the national anthem, so I don't get to the bench on time. So I'm standing out there, and I hear my, my, um, uh, hey, hey, and I look over, and I had forgotten. My dad was a U.S. Air Force National Guard guy, and he was carrying the flag that night um, for the national anthem. So after that, you,
0: you so he didn't tell you?
1: No, no, he had told me, but like I'm, but I'm zoned just, out. Man. Okay, gotcha, like, gotcha, exactly. Like, I know that's great, Dad, exactly. but that, that that doesn't really count. I got to get like these Red Sox guys out today. Right. right. So he had told me, <laughs> but I didn't know when he was going to be on the field and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I, as the national anthem was done, I kind of saddled over to him. He gave me a hug or whatever, and I remember saying, "Wait a minute, this guy taught me how to play the game. It's not that difficult, you know. It's strike one." Uh, hit the ball hard um two hands you know what whatever he mm-hmm. taught you it, it it is he he in one hug he was like just a game it's a baseball game you've been playing baseball at a high level your entire life don't change mm-hmm. now. so it was a really cool moment for me and a change and I don't know if it changed the outcome I ended up throwing seven shutout innings but I'll tell you one thing um it did give me some peace <laughs> mm-hmm. after having a having a a, a tough run of it.
0: Seven shutout innings in the World Series, all from a hug from your dad. Uh, is, is that crazy? That's, 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 that's awesome. That's so well, I, I got you thinking about that. Man. I
1: I know you love the Oakland A's. So the Oakland A's, and they you know with Ricky and. Their whole bunch. They went in '89. I don't even know how old you were in '89. That had to be. I like was eleven. Eleven. Yeah. So that's a perfect yeah. age, right? Mm-hmm. So, um what, what's your first memory of watching a World Series? Doesn't have to be the A's, but your first memory of yeah, saying, "No,
0: it, it was '89." Yeah. It was the year before. Oh yes, you know, uh, Mr. Gibson walking <laughs> off the iconic us moment. Losing, yes, us losing the World Series to a bunch of guys. We were like, who? Who is this team? Like, who who's they Mickey have? Hatcher? Who's that, that guy? guy? Never who, heard who of him. <laughs> and, and 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 I remember. So my first World Series experience as a child uh, was heartbreaking. It was one hundred percent heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, and, you know, if memory serves me accurately, I remember just coming down a stretch, uh, Eckersley having, you know, one hell of a year, but yeah. just coming down a stretch, it was like 3-2 to everyone, 3-2. And it's like, this isn't Eck-like. It's just 3 Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, that game, I think Stu started the game. And, of course, that's natural uh, progression. Stu, you stretch him out, and then you give it to Eck. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, he'd like, no. Like, are you serious? He walks everybody. You know, as a kid, you yes. just... Just, you just stick with the bad things. You don't remember that. This right. dude has been hitless, you know, I That's... mean, unhittable all season long. It's just he's had a bad two-week stretch. No, we don't do this. And sure enough, you know, Kirk Gibson, you know, hits the 3-2 slider, which is his go-to. I mean, one hell of a bat. Yeah. But the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. And... We end up losing the world series and i cried like a baby <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i cried like a baby ron all heartbroken so when i see these kids and you know their team loses in the championships or in the playoffs i get it it's like <laughs> you invested you, you invested your entire summer to watch That's your right. team be the best team in baseball only to get there and not win it and where do you go from there like what's next like it's over so we just go right to basketball season, I guess. Okay, football basketball, <laughs> I, I, I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we made up for it forward, uh, the next year uh, when we beat the Giants and be in front of East Bay. The next year I'm running around talking all the trash to all the Giants fans in the Bay Area. Like, yeah, you guys haven't won since, you know, since uh, they left New York, you know, stuff like that. So um, my, world was, my first wasn't great, but my second one was fantastic.
1: Yeah, only an Alameda kid could call San Francisco Giants the West Bay team. I love that. I love that. You know, I, I remember in 78, the Boston Red Sox had a 13 and a half game lead in the middle of August on the Yankees. And so I get to college early, it's double sessions for football. And now campuses start in September, and it's five and a half, it's four and a half, it's three and a half. And the college I went to has so many New York kids. So as I'm walking the campus every day, they know I'm from Boston. Mm-hmm. Every day I'm getting it. We're coming. We're coming. Every day I had to hear it for a month and a half. And that was the worst ever, culminating in the Red Sox coming back and tying it and having to play a one off game to get into the Get into the postseason, of course, and that's the the Bucky Dent game when he hit the three run home run. And I'm watching it with a bunch of my friends at college. He hits the three run home run, and you know when you when you're young, there's fans of baseball, right? And as you and I, we play baseball, like we mm-hmm. know baseball. Yes. These kids like love baseball, but we know it. Mm-hmm. And as they're watching and they're going crazy, all, all I'm thinking is, wait, wait a minute. Bucky Dent just hit a home run. That can't happen. He's not right. a home run hitter. It can't happen. It's just like it's like you and Mike Davis. When Eck walked Mike Davis, like, Oh my! can't gosh. walk Mike Davis. Mike was having a tough year that year, mm-hmm. if I remember. But Tony La Russa blamed it on, he used, to, he used to always say cool stuff to me, but he said, I'm blaming this on you. And I said, blaming what? He goes, 1988. The whole year? He said, yes, because we were ready to face the mighty Mets. And when you guys couldn't get the job done, I think we we, we just we, we didn't keep our head on straight. And he goes, "We were ready to take you guys down, so it's yes. your fault."
0: And I said, "Okay, it's my fault or whatever." No doubt, and, and I, I do I do remember that it was like the Dodgers like shocked the world. <laughs> That's right. And then went on and beat us. It was like, what just happened?
1: So, like thinking about the unwritten rules um, about a clubhouse,
0: I got one. Um, what is the proper way to tell a guy to calm down? Hmm. Because you know, everybody has to have their space yeah. to be themselves as you're getting ready. And you know, I'm in a zone, he's in a zone, and there's one person just bouncing around and cause that's how they're getting ready. Yeah. And in a regular season, it didn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. Do you think that's who you are? But this is the postseason where everything counts. What's the proper way to, you know, do you put your arm around them as a veteran player? Hey, you know, we just tone it down. But you're taking this person out of their element.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a really, really tough question. I think the arm around someone um, would be the best way to go and say, listen, we need all of that. All you got right now, we're going to need all of that in the next 10 days over this seven-game series. So mm-hmm. don't leave it here. You know, mm. bring it out there. But I, I totally get what you're saying. I would try to make his his way of getting ready. But within the confines of what we're trying to do, just use that. But don't use it until you get between the lines. You know, just mm. don't leave it all here. But it would be hard. I think I think it's really hard because there's always that one guy on a team yep. that's a little more boisterous. And there's also that guy that feels like they need to be boisterous. You know, it's not mm-hmm. even like they're real being. It's like, you know, I, I'm going to show everybody that I'm, I'm more in tune and more ready for these games than anyone else, which means you're really not ready for the game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? The, the people yes. that, uh, it's, it's just like a fight. The guys that's quiet, you know, he's the right. guy that's going to stay away from him. It's swinging the miss, Stuck him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. How about this unwritten rule? How about the shares meeting? Fans don't know about Ooh. that. Is that vicious? Wow. Okay, we that, can. You know what? I've never talked about vicious. this, so we'll Oof. we'll talk about this. So yes. the shares meeting is that all of this money that is acquired in the postseason and this was set up through the players association with the owners of the teams there is a portion of that pie for all the attendance and parking and everything else that goes for the players and that pie depending sometimes now if you had. The Red Sox against the Cubs, that pie is going to be smaller. Why? Because they only fit in 35,000 people in the stands. In 86, mm-hmm. Shea Stadium was fitting 55,000 people every night. So that pie is bigger, right? So you're going to have this one pie that includes all of this money from attendance in the postseason and parking and marketing and all that stuff. And you're going to have a, a this big pie. And what you have to do in the clubhouse is decide how to split it up.
0: Yes. And there are only 25 voting, you know, members. We, we'll call you members <laughs> because it's it's like imagine making, you know, an, an investment, like you said, and you don't put any money in technically. You're going to get this money out. But there, there, there are a few shares that you have to really decide on how this gets broken down, because the more shares we give, the less of the pie <laughs> we're able to receive as players. And it is so cutthroat. You have, you know, veteran guys that this is maybe, you know, year 12. And this is their first time in the playoffs because they got traded over. They just got there. And you as a guy that's been to the playoffs a couple of years, you've been through this. So you're. it seems like the more you've been through it, the more giving you are. You know, let's make sure everybody gets paid because we know it can make a difference in their life. Well, some guys are like, no, they weren't on the field. They weren't traveling. Scout sucked, their report <laughs> never worked, and it's like, yo, you're getting millions of dollars. Yeah. And yes, when this breaks down, it's a few hundred thousand dollars, but is that going to change our life as a player? No, it's not. Could it change this other person's life? Pay for college, pay for debts that this person may have. Well, that's not our problem. That's what are you talking about? <laughs> they're in this clubhouse, they're they're contributing in, in some way, fashion, or another in front of PR people who are dealing with our attitudes after a loss and have to come chase us down. and also have to deal with the media, their attitudes for not getting players. How do we compensate them? Do we cash them out? Um, what about the guy that got traded? And he's a big part, but he was only here for a month. How do you pay this guy? Because he don't he no longer gets a vote. And then, the, you know, just speaking of that player, well, he still, his other team is in the team that he got traded from is in a playoff. So he's going to get a playoff share there. You don't know that. And when i say it gets dicey in there where players have have gotten up and left like eff it i'm out y'all deal with this you don't want to hear what i have to say and it's like we are trying (laughs) to do the best for everyone involved no matter what you have a full share we're really discussing the next 10 shares and who gets what and trust me i've been in a a meeting where i'm just like i'm sitting there eyes this big like i can't believe You guys are this selfish. Yes. You're making 20 million, you're making 25, you're making 30, and you're going to sit here and fight. And maybe it's over principle for them. You're fighting over $300,000. Yeah. Like that's what you're going to do. And you're going to give this scout, you know, 10,000. And I've had a check and I've had it sent back to me personally with a note as if I'm the one that made the decision on who got what. All I can do is take a vote, and you have 25 guys that raise their hand. You have five guys that raise their hand in opposition. That's, I mean, that's how it goes.
1: Yeah. If you didn't know it then, you know who the cheap guys are on the team after this meeting. Immediately, um, it's amazing. The tough thing we had, we were very generous. Everybody got everything. I mean, we're giving money to clubhouse kids. We made sure because you would give cash bonuses yep. to some people, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. and for everyone out there. The further you go, the more money you get. I mean, you win yes. the World Series. All of a sudden, you're getting um, a quarter million dollars each, or more sometimes, um, much more. And in, in the case now, but uh, we had a traveling secretary that was just bad, Jimmy. Just bad. Mm-hmm. Every planes late, buses never on the tarmac, bags never in your room. Like he just had a bad. He had a bad year. He hit 180. Mm-hmm with no homers i mean he just he just had a bad year and it got to the point where he and it wasn't all his fault right he he was directed by the team to you know to be uh, a little careful with certain things mm-hmm. and and yep. so we would be flying back from the west coast and we would stop in Kansas City and our guys our guys would go nuts so we're like what are we doing and we had to refuel they wouldn't get a big enough plane that could go all the way from Los Angeles wow. to New York. So um, a couple of these kinds of trips put this guy in harm's way. Mm-hmm. So the entire team is screaming and yelling, he's not getting a share. And and I, you know, I was I'm not the head of it, but I was one of the guys. I said, mm-hmm. traditionally, guys, I just want to say this, and then you guys can do whatever you want to do. Traditionally, the traveling secretary would get a, get share. a share I mean right. it's, it's, it's been, that's all you can do's been that's like all you can It's do. been like that forever. You guys can do whatever you want to do. You're like Ronnie, I, I am not paying that MF. I am not paying yeah. him. So yes. we ended up cutting this guy out of it to this oh, day my. to this day, I feel awful about it. Um, and he just I mean, he was out of baseball like within a year. You know, it mm. was just it was just that bad. So it 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 was awful. But for you folks out there, now you know what a shares meeting is like. So this is before you've played one postseason game. This is like yep. the third week in September when you know you're in. You and have this. You have this meeting, and this meeting is so god awful. After you mm. take it, you feel like
0: you should shower or w- wash off or do something because it gets dirty mm. in there. Mm. Just, 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 just those memories. Just, just having a gather the guys. Hey guys, we have a shares meeting. And they're looking at you like you're crazy. Like, you know, we have to have a shares meeting. And there are some guys who are like, I really hope you just go to the bathroom or shower and don't even come in. Yeah, they're and they're true. the first guys running in there. just like.
1: Oh. <laughs> That's right. Well, Jimmy, thanks for talking about the postseason and the unwritten rules. I think we uh, talked a lot about a lot of different things in the show I think the yes. fans are going to really like it. So join us next week. We're going to wrap up or recap uh, this entire season. Uh, we're going to give you some of the highlights of the, some of the things we talked about. But even more importantly, I think we're going to take some uh, listeners' questions, which will be fun for you and I, Jimmy, to uh, to answer uh, the fans' questions. Unwritten on MLB and Odyssey, J. Roll and Ron Darling. Thanks for listening in. Unwritten is a production of Odyssey and Major League Baseball. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen of Odyssey with Ian Kay of Major League Baseball. Lena Glazer is the executive producer of 2400 Sports at Odyssey. Jody Avergan and Nick Trotta of MLB are executive producers. Special thanks to everyone at Major League Baseball and Odyssey who helped make this show happen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or a review in your podcaster player of choice, or just tell someone about the show. For Jimmy Rollins, I'm Ron Darling. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with more on baseball's unwritten rules.